This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Whitaker looks for his first title defense on his home soil. Can the protege defeat the mentor? Adesanya hopes to earn a title shot after less than a year in the UFC, and he joins us on the show this week. Marlon Moraes should be next in line for a bantamweight shot, but will he be? Colby Covington still wants out of his UFC contract. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Android, or wherever podcasts are found. Joe, welcome back. Glory 63 is behind us. You were in Houston last week. Yeah. Uh, great card. I enjoyed watching uh, Petch do his thing. I, I was texting you incessantly about how impressed yeah. I was with the guy. It's incredible, man. You're, you're talking about a 23-year-old Thai kid who um, I think started fighting when he was 6 years old or 9 years old, something really young like that, and that was his 200th fight. 200 fights at 23 years old. Like, that's impressive. Absolutely. I, I, I just loved what he could do off his front leg. That's what yeah. I kept telling you. And I asked you to show me that you could do it. Yeah. Like, I, could, I didn't believe it, but of course you can. I mean, yeah, I, I can, but I mean, tight You're also jeans. wearing tight jeans. Tight yes. jeans, yeah. Yes. I don't wear I don't You were wearing like jeans. Lululemon pants. Uh, I, know, I was thinking about wearing my Lululemons too, yeah, but next dang. Time. Next time. Yeah, I know. Those, uh, those head kicks, man, I mean, from those close range, you never see them. That's where, like... I get frustrated sometimes. You see, because I'm used to watching, you know, high-level kickboxing and Muay Thai. So when I watch MMA a lot of times, I get frustrated that I don't see these guys use their kicks as much. I know that takedown and, and all of that garbage people are going to talk to me about. But there's timing things you can do. But kicking in MMA can be a lot more effective. You see guys like Barboza use it. The, the people that have a good Muay Thai background, Ioani yeah. and Jaychik. But it feels like it's so much more effective in kickboxing. Because they, they seem to mix it with the front leg and the back leg. With kicks in MMA, there's just so much more risky. Yeah. I mean, for the takedown, but if you're a guy who's decent on the ground and you're not scared, and it's the timing thing. I always say, like, the low kick. You're like, oh, the low kick's not good in MMA. Well, if I lead with my low kick, and, and yeah, I'm going to get taken down. But the, a good low kick it happens in MMA when the guy's exiting. So if I go close to you, as soon as you go to back up to create distance for me, I hit your leg. You can't take me down at that point. So it's more of a timing issue. Um, than anything but I've been doing a lot of MMA sparring and for me I actually prefer yes the no takedown issue but if my takedown defense was you know a little bit more effective it's actually better for me because when I'm punching for example I have more um, there's there's more range in MMA which opens up the kicking range so for me I actually prefer MMA sparring because it actually lets guys fall into my kicks a lot easier so yeah all right, so on to UFC 234 this weekend. Israel Adesanya, an individual you're very familiar with. You broke yep. down a lot of tape on him because you used to call his fights in glory. Uh, and, of course, Anderson Silva, who I'm sure you watched a lot of coming up. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting one because we don't really know where Anderson Silva's at right now. Yeah. And yeah. I've been making this case all week. Is People keep saying, oh, Anderson Silva's done. He's 1-4-1 four, one in his last six. But they're not really explaining why he's 1-4-1 four, one in his last six, where that comes from. Um, and if you look at those fights, it starts with the, wi- the first Weidman loss, a legit loss. Got knocked out, was yep. playing, you know, playing possum a little bit, tried to get a little bit too cocky, and got knocked out. That's a legit loss. Second loss to Weidman. That kick, leg snaps in half. Freak yep. injury. Yep. We don't know how the rest of that fight would have gone. Weidman had won the first round. It looked like he was en route to winning that fight, but you don't, you don't really know. He's also 39 years old at that time, so he's probably you know, past his prime. He's definitely past his prime at that point in time. But we've got to keep in mind also that Anderson Silva had 10 consecutive title defenses, 16 wins in a row, still an uh, UFC record. Um, and then when you look at the lo- the loss after that, I think the fight after that was the win over Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, rather, that was overturned. So that's mm-hmm. where the, the last one comes from. And then you've got um, the 
win over the loss to Bisping, which a lot of people thought was a win. He basically knocked him out in that fight, yeah, and Bisping was, was able to continue. Ending, yeah. yeah, and then you've got the Derek Brunson win. So those are the fights that we're looking at as the the body of work that explains why Silva's at where he's at right now. Yeah. And oh, and sorry, I forgot one loss, which was the loss to Cormier coming off the couch for UFC 200. Yeah. Basically, still called was a on decision though, too, right? It was a decision. Yeah, he went yeah. the distance with Cormier. So people are like, oh, the guy's chin's done. He's yeah. he's at, he's been locked out once. That one loss to uh to Weidman. Yeah. So. What are we doing here? I think the, the age is an issue. I think he's, what, 33 right now? Uh, sorry, 43 right now? Something like that. So That's why I think Anderson Silva's a little bit skewed at this point in time. People don't really know what to expect from this guy. I mean, the most accurate thing you can look at is his fight with Brunson, which was a close fight. A lot of people thought Brunson won, but it could have really gone either way. Not a whole lot happened. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm worried is going to happen in this fight. This, this fight, you know, uh, Ariel Helwani's been calling it the people's main event. People are so hyped up about this fight. But I worry it could just be a three-round staring contest. Do you think that yeah. there's any way that that's what ends up happening? Well, Anderson Silva's really tricky to hit, and so is Adesanya. So it's definitely a possibility because they're not fighters that are going to take the risk. That's why they're so good at what they do. They're not just going to walk in and just keep their chin high. Anderson Silva, very slick, good distance control. They both fight with their hands down because they know distance well. So um, we might have a, I kind of look at it as like a Wonder Boy style fight because when you fight Wonder Boy, a lot of people are scared to initiate because they know a good counterattack is coming. So I think both guys are going to be patient. I think we're going to see a really slow first round for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think Adesanya has the ability to find that one or two shot. He's not going to have to get crazy uh, to find it. I think his length is going to be a factor. And Against I think, Anderson, though? Because Anderson's got crazy length, but too. But you got to think, Anderson, to me, why I'm, I'm leaning so war, uh, towards Adesanya is what a- Anderson fights in the UFC. He's fighting guys who aren't used to his different looks. You know, He can change and adapt, but Adesanya knows. He's seen this. He actually has more experience than Anderson on the feet, having something along the lines of over 75 kickboxing fights. So, I mean, he's seen those things. I think with Anderson Silva, the use of the kicks is going to be an important factor where Anderson's used to a lot of guys trying to punch him so he can move well. So I think Adesanya's kicks can be a good factor in this fight. I'm really looking forward to see what it looks like because I can't yeah. in my head envision it. Yeah. Watch um, it. And, uh, it's going to be Adesanya's kicks are going to be a factor. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I, I just, I, for some reason, so many people are sold on this being such a lock for Adesanya. And I, I'm having a lot of... Yeah. Like trouble drinking Silva's the age doesn't do anything for you? Of course it does. Yeah. I, that's the big mitigating factor for me. I mean, if this was an Anderson Silva that was 32 instead yeah. of 43, or even 34, I mean, I think that it would be probably favored for Anderson Silva yeah. because Anderson Silva would still be in his prime rolling through everybody. But, you know, we also... Adesanya is a bigger favorite in this fight than he's been in any of his other fights so far. Yeah. We're talking about, like, over a guy like Which, Rob Wilkinson. Which, to me, is, yeah, crazy to say. That's yeah. weird. Like, you have to think Anderson Silva is completely washed to buy into that kind of uh, a line where you think that Adesanya should be a 6 or 7 to 1 favorite. But do you think Anderson has the ability to maybe make it into a jiu-jitsu match? Because I think that's where he can get Not that Not really. Finish. I don't think he wants to either. What I, what I think Anderson Silva has the ability to do is to slow this fight down and pick his spots. Because in MMA, you have the ability... Like These are five-minute rounds versus three-minute rounds of kickboxing. And, of course, Adesanya's familiar with that. He's not like a rookie to the game of MMA. He's, He's an efficient-style fighter. He doesn't yeah. go crazy, so he can go. Yeah, so what I'm wondering is if there's ever going to be a time where Adesanya says, you know what, I can outstrike this guy. Let's, let's, let's start picking up the volume here, picking up the pace. And he could get caught with something. 
Yeah. I don't know if that happens. Yeah, no, but I then mean, there's they're... also Anderson. I mean, Anderson is not going to be as fast as he was yeah, in the past. I was going to say, the IQ's there, but is his body reacting the same way it used to? No. It's, yeah. At that age, I mean, it's still there against maybe non as uh, not as effective strikers, but I'm telling you, I think it's going to be a lot harder for him. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that um, when you look at Silva, um, he is an older guy. But again, this is a three-round fight. Silva, I don't think, has ever lost a three-round fight in the UFC. Um, his his loss to Bisping was five rounds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he's used to going for, for a long distance, so. even at this I age. I hope so. I, I hope I'm just, I, again, this is me playing devil's advocate yeah, mostly. For sure. But I do think that it is crazy that he's a bigger favorite against Anderson Silva than he was against yeah. every opponent prior who are not like as good as Anderson Silva. I think he's like a minus 650 favorite yeah. or something like that at that point. Like, it's crazy. Like, I think the odds against Brad Tavares were close to even. And if you took... 43-year-old Anderson Silva against Brad Tavares. I think Anderson's favored. Yeah, I would say Even so. Even at this age. I would say so, yeah. So is it that big of a discrepancy? Has Adesanya gotten that much better in those four fights? Well, it's almost like that or Conor has, McGregor yeah, factor, Or has Silva right? gotten that much worse? I mean, I think Adesanya is just so good in the in the public eye that he has the ability to to make you feel confident in him, mm-hmm. and he's swaying the lines. And that's but that's what the lines are predicated on. They're they're based on perception, yeah, versus reality. And the reality of the situation is that the one yeah, four and one of Silva's of last favorite, yeah. well, the one four and one of Silva's last six fights are not they don't tell the story. Yeah. They're just a number. Yeah, and I mean I see Anderson Silva, which is cool. I have a uh, uh, his Muay Thai coach is a friend of mine, Jason Park. So yeah. he's been helping him. We see. Um, Alex Pereira there with him, and they're doing sparring at open workouts. Um, and it's cool, too, because you see the way Anderson approached the camp. He, he had three training partners with him, and all of them had a different style and stance when you yeah. watched it in the open workout, which, which I found was cool. Yeah. yeah, he had Pereira, that tall guy in the orthodox, and he had a second guy, which almost looks like Anderson Silva. Um, and he came in with, as a southpaw, kind of like looked like um, Israel. And then you had like this more stocky, come forward kind of striker guy. So he understands the style bending, and he's and he's, I mean, the smart guy, good camp. You know, I'm I'm just excited for it. I haven't been this excited for a fight in a while, especially because I know Israel. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm, and I'm a my, fan of. Anderson, I'm tempering my you know? expectations for this fight. Yeah. And anytime Anderson yeah. Silva's fighting, Anderson, I think might be my favorite fighter of all time. If I take my journalism hat off, like I just I love watching Anderson. I've always loved watching him fight. But I feel like if you get your expectations high for an Anderson Silva fight, you're going to be right. disappointed sometimes. Yeah. Every yeah. now and then. Yeah, it's happened. Look at the Talos it's late happened. this fight. Look at the Demian Maia fight. I was there live for that one. It was brutal. Oh, yeah, the one in Montreal. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And uh, even, the, even the fight with Nick Diaz, there was a lot of posturing. And, and it was a high-volume fight, but you know there was a lot of play, playfulness. And I think that these two guys are going to get a little bit playful in there. I don't think it's going to be... I think it's going to feel like more like an exhibition than it is a, a real fight. Yeah. And again, both of them do really well against guys who want to come forward because that's where they can create their space, walk them into something. But both of them aren't that type of fighter. That's why I think as a high-level striker, the boxing range might be nullified. Mm-hmm. And people going for takedowns on Adesanya has helped them create opportunities as well. Yeah, he's got a good frame. He's nice and long. Like you see every time he does his pad work as well, he'll do a combo and then the guy shoots a nice long frame. So but I have to think that Anderson Silva's got a longer frame. Yeah, I mean... Because Anderson Silva's a bigger guy. He's taller, I believe. That's the other factor, too. Silva um, seems like a lot bigger. Um, Adesanya doesn't seem to be that big of a middleweight. He seems really small for the division when he seems to fight guys. That's why I'm curious to see Adesanya with guys like Weidman, um, like even a Luke Rockhold, um, a Yoel Romero, a Paulo Costa. Those are the types of fights I'm really excited to see in the future for Adesanya. So Anderson's six foot two, seventy seven and a half reach. 
and Adesanya is six foot three. I didn't look taller to me in an eighty inch reach. So Adesanya does have yeah, a reach and height advantage. Right? Yeah. yeah, not by much, but yeah. still, still something. Because I remember when Anderson was coming up, people were like, Anderson's reach is like is crazy compared to his opponents. Yeah. But I guess not. I guess not in this uh, this instance. But with, I mean, Adesanya just got freakishly long arms. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he knows how to use it. That's the that's the incredible thing. You can. A lot of guys with long arms just don't know how to use it, but he uses it really mm-hmm. well. Yeah, so. and so and I mean, so does Anderson, right? So yeah. it's going to be super interesting to see how uh, how these two match up. I I'm looking forward to it, even though again I'm tempering my expectations because yeah. I am worried this is going to be a low output three round kind of you know two guys feeling each other out for a long time and nothing really happening. But I'm kind of happy with the result either way. You know, I, I like Adesanya to see that he represents kickboxing, and obviously to me that's a uh, Something I pride in, but you I mean when you see Anderson Silva, just nice guy, true martial artist, what he has done in the sport. Like if he wins and gets that title shot that he's promised, like that's kind of a happy moment for the sport as well. Especially given that that title fight could happen in Curitiba, Brazil, in a stadium. Yeah, which, like that, which that would be so deserves, huge for the UFC. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and a man who who deserves something like that. Can you too, imagine so. he wins the title in Curitiba yeah. in front of the stadium and just retires? But then even vice versa, you got to think about um, if Whitaker wins and you got Adesanya winning. If that's the matchup, they're going to make. Oh, that's, yeah. That's they do that in Australia. Well. Yeah, for sure. It'd probably uh, do that at a stadium. And we'll talk later on. Um, I've got um, one half of the submission radio team, uh, Dennis uh, Shkuratov. I told him I wasn't going to try his last name again. But Dennis Shkuratov <laughs> is joining us uh, a little bit later on from Submission Radio. He's, it, if you're not familiar with Submission Radio, they're the biggest MMA show in, uh, in Oceania and Australia New Zealand. Weekly show uh, based out of Melbourne, Australia. And uh, these guys know the landscape of Australia and MMA more than anybody else. So Dennis uh, will kind of break down how important uh, an Adesanya versus Whitaker fight would be for that region. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's interesting because he comes at it from uh, the standpoint of somebody who actually lives there and actually knows how big these guys are. Because I think that here in North America, we're kind of fed the narrative that this is going to be a, a, an incredible, incredible epic event. And it very well could be, but he'll be able to give you kind of more of the details on uh, on how that goes. But uh, before we get to Gastelum and Whitaker, I did want to bring in um, one of the, the individuals you trained, Rob Thomas, yeah, who yeah. Um, actually fought. Israel Adesanya in glory. Yeah, yeah. And, and I uh, commentated that fight. Yeah, you were the commentator. I, I watched it recently yeah. and uh, it was a, an excellent fight. Um, but, you know, Rob had a lot of trouble with uh, figuring out that puzzle. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just kind of... Man, he's yeah. Good. I wanted to get someone on the phone because when it comes to the perspective of uh, MMA, I think that uh, talking to any of Adesanya's previous opponents in the UFC, none of them are quite like an Anderson Silva where you know it's probably going to be a stand-up fight for the full 15 minutes. Whereas someone like Rob... Would have Ooh, experienced it's a stand that. Up, yeah. yeah, you know it's going to be strictly stand up, and and just what he had to deal with in the uh, in the ring. Yeah, because it was after this fight that Rob and I started working a little bit more um, closely, um, because someone like Adesanya, especially from a kickboxing perspective, he has a, losses against um, Alex Pereira and he has losses against Jason Wilness. So both guys are pressure guys. So to beat someone like Adesanya, you have to be able to pressure effectively. You can't just pressure because his angle, his movements, the way he creates his angles are just going to catch you. But you have to have really good pressure fighting in order to beat someone like that. Well, that's what I was going to say to you is take, put your coaching hat on. If you're Anderson Silva, I mean, you're not talking about a typical pressure fighter here either. What is Anderson Silva's path to victory in your opinion? Uh, I, and I'm coaching Anderson Silva here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's really, again, both of these guys is using the kicks. 
both of them, um, I, I again, because I'm a low kicker, both of them are pretty exposed to the legs. I mean, you have to think they're both good at the upper body of moving, slipping, evading punches, pulling. That's how they create their counter punch. They want you to throw the punch. They're going to evade. They're going to counter. Um, but with feinting is really important. Um, get them to faint, bite on a punch, and then you've got to really attack the legs because the legs don't move as the head moves. So you really got to go. Um, I would probably work in a nice straight to the body, good front kicks, um, attacks that come forward because those round attacks are going to slip and move off of them. They're both good at switching stances. So you're going to have to attack the body and good pressure. But Anderson Silva, stay long. I still think the kicks. He's got it. I'm telling you, kicks are going to be a big factor in this game. So um, now let's uh, put your coaching hat on and say you're coaching whatever. You're coaching any of your fighters yeah. in the Bazooka Joe kickboxing stable. And um, they're going to be facing uh, Israel Adesanya. How do you beat Israel Adesanya? we got to pressure. You pressure, you pressure, you got to get inside and pressure him. If you stay at bay, you stay in mid-range with him, he's going to get you. So um, stay long, faint, and uh, when you get on the inside, you got to do some work. So I would do a lot of um, attacking, um, and then from the attack, I'd grab a clinch off of the attack. Then either work, fight some elbows from in there, um, then create breaks and try to attack on the exit again. Um, I think you beat Adesanya in the transition. On the enter or the exit, you're not going to beat him in mid-range. You got to attack him from the inside or attack him from the outside. Interesting. Yeah. You don't want to sit in mid-range. He'll catch you. So, like, what I talk about is, say I'm in mid-range. I'm not just going to open up and attack because that's how he's going to counterpunch. So, I'm going to enter safely and then attack from there or attack really long with my kicks. You can't just sit there and, and punch in, the, in mid-range with him. Yeah. Too and, slick. And Jason Wilness beat him. And Wilness is a pretty similar fighter yeah. to you. He's because a pressure he fighter pressure big leg kicks. But, yeah, but uh, what he misses... Um, I have a lot better boxing than Wilness. Mm-hmm. Wilness just relies heavily yeah, on Singer. Kicks. I'm yeah. a volume combination style fighter. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, we're similar in that we can pressure, but I can move a lot better, hit a lot better, move angles. So I would really chop. Uh, I would go right for his legs. Mm-hmm. You got to go Willness for his did. legs. Yeah, you got to go for his legs, put a little bit more volume together. Um, I think Wilness wasn't as active as he should have been. Um, rewatching that fight, it, it could have gone either way. But um, I just thought damage was happening from the low kicks. But I mean, I, yeah, I think you got to attack his legs. A lot of guys, and he's—it's not easy. It, yeah. it's, it's not going to be an easy. I say, yeah, attack the legs, but he switches stances, so you're going to have to be confident with your pressure and your low mm-hmm. kicks to beat him. And the aforementioned Alex Pereira, who's training with Anderson Silva, even yeah. twice. Yeah, pressure, and he, I think it was a, a left hook that caught him too. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the second, in yeah. the second fight. You can't just wait. You got to be confident with him. Like if you're not confident, he's going to eat you apart. And that was the same with Anderson. Yeah, and that's why Chael did so well against Anderson is because Chael came into the into the yeah. fight, at least that first fight, with, with the mentality is like, I'm going to just take this guy. I'm just going to play my game. I'm going to take yeah. this guy down. And he pressured him and he got inside and he made his life hell for yeah. four and a half rounds. If you're just going to walk in and eat a shot and then stay there, eat a shot. No, if you eat you, one, keep going. You know, you got to create some more off of did it. Did you watch that fight live, the Chael versus Anderson, the first one? Um, was that the one that ended in the submission in the fourth the round? End? Yeah, yeah. it was live. Submission. Yeah. Did your jaw drop? Like I remember watching. He was watching. losing the fight, right? Anderson was getting smoked he, in that his, fight. He was on his back most of the fight. Yeah, he was on his back and for four and a half end, rounds. Yeah, and I remember cut that going triangle. nuts. Yeah, because I, I just because nobody really thought much of Chael Sonnen. Chael was a great. It was a talker. triangle choke, wasn't it? It was a triangle choke, fifth yeah. round. But Chael was such a, a big talker, and everybody was like, "Ah, what's this and guy he done?" Did so well, and he yeah. did so. He was the only guy that made Anderson look human, and that up until that point in the UFC. Yep. I just remember watching that and being blown away at how good at how good Chael, how well Chael did, and then then that triangle came out of nowhere, and you're like, no, yeah, you know, yeah. he had him, he had him. 
Yeah, at, at that point though, it was like all all was all Anderson Silva, so I was happy at that point. No, but you were just like when he, I say no, it's just like ah, oh, you oh, blew it, you know, like you it, had yeah. him, you had him. Yeah, he's another guy, man. Both of them, like I don't know. Chael's still to, to be competing at this age is ridiculous for yeah. these guys. And Chael's down there, could, down there in the es, pre ESPN right now in Australia, yeah. calling it's his nuts. old his old pal Anderson's fights. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Somebody actually man. dug up an old tweet uh, that Adesanya had sent to Anderson, being like, "Beat Chael up!" Like, for, yeah, like when he was yeah. probably well, how many years ago? Was that seven years ago? He was probably in, like his early twenties. The UFC um, had a great promo piece. And the it was one? Uh, this recent one on Ad- Anderson yeah. and Israel. Um, they're talking how uh, they're like, yeah, we're not very similar. Mm-hmm. It was on the countdown. Yeah, and they showed the re- and then the, they showed yeah. the, the the back and forth of the dancing, the celebrations, the slipping, and it was, it was just it was a, a nice piece. It I even like because I, I was showing a bunch of people like, look how awesome that piece was that they put together because there is a lot of similarities between the two. As much as they don't want to say it because mm-hmm. of the fight, but they move, and I mean. Anderson was was one of the first to be able to move and adapt with different styles. He got good kicks, good boxing. He can pressure. He can power punch. Like he was one of the guys switch stances. He was the one to start that. Well, I'll spoil some of the in- interview that I did with Israel that you hear later on in the show. Um, but him and I really connected because I think he he thinks that I understood. I understand him very well. Did you did you play Mortal Kombat growing up? I did. I said I said basically you're like Shang Tsung. Like you have your own style, but you can adapt to anybody else's to style with style. like just the push of a button. Yeah. And he was like you're right, and I called. Him the uh, the combat chameleon. He yeah, like he that. loves all the characters and yeah. stuff. So you guys connected on that. Yeah, we connected on that right off the right right from the jump. Yeah, there you go. I go, I get him. I get Andrew. I get uh, Israel Adesanya. There you go. Yeah, there you go. We got to get more interviews with him. And one of my favorite interviews that I ever did was with Anderson Silva and his two sons after he beat uh, Derek Brunson in Brooklyn. Yeah, his I son's just, big too, and I heard his son wants his to fight yeah, now too. Bo- is a boxer. Yeah, one son is a boxer and one is like a hip hop artist. Yeah. I thought he was doing MMA now on that last uh, on the countdown. I think he, I think he was doing boxing, but maybe he is starting to transition into MMA. Yeah. Um, all right, well, why don't we get Rob on the phone? We can talk a, a little bit about Israel Adesanya and um, what it's like to be face to face with the guy in in the ring. Joining us right now, Glory Middleweight Rob Thomas. You, you train with Joe at Bazooka MMA and uh, and kickboxing. And uh, you have stood across the ring from Israel Adesanya. So going into that matchup, uh, did you know what to expect from him? Um, well, I've, I've watched a lot of his fights. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty out there to to, to study from. But uh, I mean, I knew he was going to be hard to hit. I really had to put the pressure on him. He's a tough counterfighter, right? Just like the guy's got slick footwork. He's moving. He's hitting. He's shifting, switching stances. So uh, I knew I just had to stay in his face. And uh, but I mean, even then, still, you know, he caught me coming in a few times. And uh, yeah, the guy's super dangerous. What went right with your game plan, and what went wrong with your game plan? Uh, what went right with my game plan? I mean, the first round, I was really pressuring him, not giving him the, like the space he needs to uh, uh, to, to 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 counter me. But um, I mean, I, I got a little bit too much into a boxing mode. I was really bobbing and weaving a little bit much, and he timed me with a nice head kick in the third round. And then uh, also, he dropped me with uh, he shifted he shifted back into the and then caught me with like a, a flying knee, which just crushed my solar plex. But uh, yeah, man, he's hard to hit. He's hard to time, and uh, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's crazy good. Because I remember calling that fight um, the low kicks we saw afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was landing some low kicks. I mean, that would have been a, a serious game plan, right? I was uh, that fight was before I had the legendary Bazooka Joe in my corner. <laughs> so uh, you know, you know, maybe maybe it's. Uh, 
you know, I would have stuck to the, the leg case a little more if I was training with Joe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, right, with somebody like that, you got to take away their movement, right? Because he's a movement fighter. So, uh, How yeah, do you see this those. fight with Anderson Silva? I mean, they're both counterfighters. And, uh, I mean, Israel's just too sharp, man. His resume is crazy. 75-5 and five kickboxing record. He's, what, 12-1 and one boxing. And uh, and then what? And now he's undefeated in MMA. So, I mean, he can do it all. Um, you saw him uh, against Derek Brunson, right? He's defending the takedowns well. So, I think he's just all around. I mean, Anderson Silva's a stand-up fighter, and Israel's probably the, the one of the best stand-up fighters in the UFC has ever seen. So, I just don't uh, I don't see it going Anderson's way. They're both counterfighters. Israel's sharper. He's younger. He's fresher. And uh, I can just see him, you know, uh, picking Anderson apart and getting the finish. I mean, Anderson's been stopped a few times, and he's slowing down. So I don't think he's going to be able to keep up. Anderson's been finished, I think, just once in the UFC by knockout. Do you, do you see that how uh, playing out again against Israel? I can see him getting the finish, yeah. Yeah, man, because like, he'll catch guys, he'll catch guys, and he'll slowly wear them down. And uh, I, I think I, I can see a stoppage. I can see a stoppage in the late rounds. Do you think Anderson has any shot? Like, if you were Anderson, how would you game plan for him? I mean, well, you, you can never count the guy out. He's an absolute legend, right? And then even in that Chael Sonnen fight, right? I mean, maybe he'll get a submission win. That's uh, what I was thinking. But who knows, man? Could he knock right, him he out? Do, do you think he could finish him on the feet? I, I, can't, I can't see him finishing him on the feet. I, if, it, if it stays on the feet... It's 100%. I mean, I, I got to go with Israel. But if it can go to the ground, I mean, Anderson's a crafty. I mean, the guy's a black belt, right? He, he finished Travis Luter, uh, who was another good black belt. And, uh, yeah, man, he, he could get that submission. He, he finished Chael late late in the fifth, right? So and Aaron's, never, ever uh, the guy. Aaron's thinking it could be like a, a stalemate match, you know, where it's like they both respect each other so much. So, um, Aaron right. said get, uh, he wouldn't be surprised if it's a three-round decision. And I was like, ah, the more I think about it, you don't know, right? Yeah, you never know, right? And that's especially like matchups makes fights. And, I mean, they're both counterfighters. And quite yep. often when two counterfighters meet, it's just, it, I mean, it's boring, Yeah, right? Yep. Well, that's what I was saying. So, I, I say that the expectation for this fight is so high yeah, that it almost can't it deliver. And there's also a good chance that it's just an extremely boring three-round chess match. That's what I said. Both of these guys need someone that comes aggressively to counter and to make it exciting. So if no one's going to bite on anything, that's where I said I think for both of these guys, the key has to be in the kicks. Like, I think yeah. both up, upper body could slip. They're, they're nice and long, but the legs won't move. So I think if Adesanya is smart, I think he attacks Anderson's legs off the start. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, Israel, he faints he a, a lot. He's always fainting. He's always fainting. So, I mean, I can see him, you know, throwing these feints and then Anderson maybe biting on him and getting getting caught with some heavy, heavy boxing. Because, uh, I mean, Anderson's got good head movement. But as we saw with uh, Chris Weidman, he's got the head movement, but his feet aren't moving. He's planting his feet while he's moving his head. Right? He's not, he's not shifting away. Like, when Israel's uh, using his head movement, he's moving. His feet are moving as well, right? He's not just a standing target. So I can I can see Israel really touching him up with those hands. I think he maybe I don't know. Does nice he have the long. reach advantage as well? Uh, we looked it up. It's, uh, Israel has about a three inch reach advantage, two and a half inch, n- nothing major. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're yeah, looking forward. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing that. And uh, what what do you have on the go right now, Rob? Do you have anything coming up? Um, I mean, we might. I might be. I mean. 
I'm at a good MMA gym right now. So, uh, you know, I've been, I've been dabbling a little, a little bit on the ground and we've, uh, we've had some, uh, some promotions talking to us about, uh, maybe making the jump to MMA as well. So we'll see. I mean, just cause of the, uh, the opportunities that are here up in Ottawa and the gym I'm at. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll uh, I'll dabble in the MMA a little bit. We'll see how it goes. Well, Israel Adesanya did that. That's worked out pretty well for him. It sure did, yeah. I, I'd like we'll a rematch see. in that one, in MMA yeah, this in MMA. time. Yeah, why not? Yeah, man, yeah. Plus, I mean, I got called out by a local guy here who's who's a stand-up fighter. So I think, uh, I mean, it'd be a perfect opportunity to, to get in there and, you know, get, get in the win column in MMA. Who's so. trying to be a hero? <laughs> Cole Fessner. <laughs> All right. He's, and Rob has an MMA fight, too. Rob was, uh, did, how old yeah. were you when you, he did the score fighting series with no experience, oh, cool. and he fought? Yeah, when I was, uh, I was 18 years old. I had just, I, I only had amateur Muay Thai experience, and then they offered me a, uh, a five-fight contract, so I had a little crash course in MMA. Yeah, and he fought like a good wrestler, too, wasn't he? Yeah, I got, I got taken it down a few times. I got up each time. And, uh, you know, I, I controlled the standing, he controlled the ground, and it just uh, came down to a split decision. And then I just decided to stick to my roots. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, so did you lose that split decision? Yes, yeah, sorry, I lost the split decision. Okay, I'm, so trying, I'm, to, I'm trying to find you here on Tapology, but uh, you don't seem to have a page. Right. Yeah, I'm on, uh, I'm on SureDog. Oh, there you, you are. Check it? Yeah, there you yeah. are. So you lost to a guy named Jeff Sharkey. Score. I'm wondering if I was at the Score Fighting Series 3. That's mostly what I'm Yeah, Robin up. Black was commentating then. He yeah. was still there because yeah. I was at that fight. No, that, I wasn't at I that one. Was... That was with Elias. Yeah, I wasn't at that one. But that was a great venue, that Hamilton Place Theater. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, that Alex Ritchie uh... Ronson, too, I think, was on that. Yeah, yeah Ritchie Ronson was on that. Ronson, yeah, I think that was the, the main event. And Josh Hill versus John Frazier. Right, right, right. Cool. Yeah, and Rick, Rick Glenn, UFC, two UFC guys are on. Actually, well, three yeah. if you count uh, Jason Sago, or four if you count Sago and Ronson. So and Hill uh, was on the yeah. Contender Series yeah. as well. Yeah, and also World Series yeah, of Fighting. Man. Plus, yeah, I mean, like I've, like I've, I've focused so much on my standup, and now I have that solid, solid base now, right? So, I, right, it's better than branching out as just an amateur Muay Thai fighter at the time, right? Now I've got this high level striking, you know, really focus on my striking, become one of the elite in the world. So, you know, now if I'd, I'd transfer over, I'd really have that solid base to, you know. Yeah, well, like you said, you were a kid, right? So uh, I'm sure you've learned a lot in, what is it, nine years since then or whatever yeah. it is. It's, if, you, <laughs> if you haven't, that would be an issue. Uh, yeah. Rob, yeah. thanks for joining us. Um, we appreciate you giving us your insights on the uh, stand-up game of uh, Israel Adesanya. Yeah, cool, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, Rob, we'll see you soon, buddy. Cool. Later, bro. There he is, Rob Thomas, bazooka, bazooka MMA uh, alum, I guess. I mean, I guess he's yeah, still no, training. He still, here, yeah. he still trains, but um, he uh, got a good opportunity to work in Ottawa, mm-hmm. um, and it made a lot of sense um, for him to go out there, and he's doing amazing out there. He's cool. learning. He's coaching a lot more, and I always said, man, to be one of the best fighters, and um, I consider myself a better fighter now because of the coaching I'm doing um, you have to think more. Um, as athletes, you do a lot of things naturally. Like I, I, I did a lot of things like creating an angle, for example, in fighting. I just did it. I didn't know the particular footwork I was doing. It just came natural to me. So now as a coach, I have to systematically um, teach people who aren't athletic to be able to do these same techniques. So then as a coach, man, you become a way better fighter. I started actually coaching martial arts uh, when I got my black belt. I was 10 years old. 
my uh, my Taekwondo instructor. Hold Mr. on, you got your black belt at 10 years old? Yeah. Wow, look at you. Mr. Sullivan was uh, always said you had to, you know, learn to teach. Um, and it was, it was a way of learning martial arts. So I was teaching Taekwondo classes when I was 10 years old. Wow, geez. So, I should have I joined up then. There you go. I um, mean, I love it. So, I mean, that's where my coaching really came from, martial arts. So. And it helps you see things a little bit differently. Yeah, and it helped me good. get my job and the confidence to become a Toronto District School Board teacher, now my own gym. So, thank you, Mr. Sullivan. Yeah, martial arts can, can do that. It can inspire you to, to oh, follow. Yeah, for I sure. mean, if you see that you for can sure. do that, I mean, I imagine you feel like you can do anything. Exactly. And think about a 10-year-old kid learning to do that. Then when you do class presentations, a class presentation yeah, is nothing. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy now. Well, we saw another kickboxer make the jump in uh, Gia Rosenstruck this last weekend. He got a win over uh, Junior Albini. He's a guy that's a uh, former heavyweight. He never fought in glory or anything, but he does have a win over Benny Adigbui, who was m- recently the number one contender at heavyweight before yeah, he lost to Ben Sadiq. really impressive. Yeah. So, Adigbui's I mean, a beast. Yeah, so so he, that's probably a long time ago, though, no, right? No, it was actually fairly recently, if I remember. It was like in the last couple of years. Really? Yeah. Because so, has been with us uh, pretty consistently. It was probably in uh, Romania. Yeah. Let's, well, let's look it up. It, I, you can see this, the fight on um, on YouTube is where I found it. So I saw that, that he was fighting Junior Albini, and I was like, "Well, the, the problem with with Albini is that he's like a a takeout uh, takedown artist." So this was back in 2016, it looks like at the okay, Super that's... Super Combat World Grand Prix. Yeah, it makes sense. Romanian yeah. promotion. Yes, yeah, so it was two years ago. Hmm. Oh, maybe, sorry. Maybe, no, 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 sorry. It was 2013. 2013. They, yeah, I was gonna say they because he was still pretty consistent. Yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. So about about. Almost six years ago. Yeah, still impressive. Yeah. So Rosenstruck uh, made his debut, got taken down a couple times in the, uh, the first round, was actually able to get up, um, and then uh, knocked out Albini in the second. So yeah, good, good on him. head kick, right? Yeah. Head kick with punch very finish. Nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. He actually attacked with that head kick in the first round, too, but was uh, yeah. unable to fully I, capitalize. I really liked the fight after that, the uh, Tiago Alves fight mm-hmm. versus Max Griffin. I thought that was a great fight. So let's transition over to the main event. Uh, that's Whitaker versus Gastelum. We're not going to touch too much on the uh, the fights outside of these two because they're just uh, not very good, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, they had the press conference last night. I actually agree with what Dana White said. You know, Dana White said, oh, I flew over for this event. It's a big event. He goes, you're, you know, in order to get into the UFC, you have to be at the highest level. And he's right. I mean, that's the thing that people need to start looking at with these cards. Is, you know, even though, though there isn't a ton of name value. And another thing he attributed it to was, you know, a lot of people that are in the region want to fight on their home turf. And if there aren't that many sure. high-level Australians, you know, this is the kind of thing that you get. But uh, at the same time, I'm going to watch all these fights. That's just how I am. If you're a fan of yeah. the UFC and if you're listening to this podcast, Chances are you're going to watch all of these fights because you love the sport. Because they're there, yeah. But you still got to be real and say this isn't exactly the strongest card on paper. Um, so we're going to touch mostly on these two uh, these two fights. So Whitaker versus Gastelum. And um, we're going to make our picks later on. We both came in liking Gastelum. So yep. we're going to defer on that pick uh, because um, we both like him. Explain to me why you think Gastelum is going to win this fight. I just think with uh, the wars that Whitaker has gone through, the injuries, you know, like he's always seems to be hurt. Um, and the way he got hit against uh, a Romero, just, I don't know, I question his chin. His uh, I'm not questioning his toughness at all because he's one of the toughest I think we have in the UFC. But I just don't know if his chin in him has that durability anymore. Um, I think Gaslam's, the, the way he comes forward, the way he throws that overhand, um, I think, right, he's working with Rafael Cordero, so working with some good striking um, um, background. So I just think he has that punch and that, that power to step in and, and to get that finish. It's just a gut feeling. I feel exactly the same way. And the other thing I 
I also look at is the wrestling. Like, I think Gastelum's wrestling is far superior yeah. to Whitaker's. Whitaker's got good takedown defense, and I mean, he did just face Yoel Romero, Romero. but Romero wasn't challenging all that much with the wrestling. Yeah. Whereas Gastelum will be a little bit more persistent with it. So, like, I can to shoot with that, the, 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 the big bombs. Like, yeah. I don't know. Man. And, that, and that's exactly it. Like, the, the wrestling is going to open up that striking for him. And he's dropped every single one of his opponents, I believe, at, at middleweight so far. Both these guys are very tough. They're both moving up from welterweight to middleweight. I don't think there's going to be that big of a size advantage. I've even said to Kelvin in the past that he he should hope that Whitaker holds on to the title because that's his best matchup. Yeah, it's so favorable. I mean, I think just I think Gaslam, the, his ability to wrestle too. I think he's going to be a, a tough guy to beat, man. Mm-hmm. I, I like. I just think overall. Um, but again, I don't think I'm giving Whitaker enough credit for for how good he is, especially on the feet. Yeah, Whitaker's I mean, very sharp on the feet. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, it's tough. He's good with his distance. He's long. But, I mean, I'm basing a lot of this off of his fights with Romero, and Romero's a beast, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. My gut feeling's telling me Gaslam. Gaslam's got an iron chin, too. I mean, if you look at the guys that he's beaten, you're looking at Jacare, Bisping, uh, Vitor Belfort. He he completely destroyed Tim Kennedy. His, his loss was only to Weidman, right? Weidman. He's, and, he's also uh, lost that uh, welterweight to Neil Magny and to uh, Tyron Woodley. Yeah. Both split decisions. Yeah. His only time he's been finished is by uh, Weidman, who was considerably bigger than him at middleweight. Uh, how was that fight? I can't remember how the fight was going before the submission. I think Gastelum had won the first two rounds. I'd have to go back and look. He, d- he definitely dropped Weidman in one of the rounds. Let me see if I can find the scorecard up to that point. Um, but uh, eventually, just Weidman was able to get him to the ground and, um, and beat him there. But uh, let's see, Weidman versus... No, it's the, there's no scorecard available, I don't think. But... Um, I, I can't really remember who had won uh, those rounds. I know that that Gaslam had won at least one of them because he dropped them. But uh, yeah, so that's that's where we're at in terms of that particular fight. But uh, yeah, I just I don't see. I think that Gaslam has a lot of advantages in this fight, and I think it's a good spot for him. And I was very surprised to see that he was that big of an underdog. He's like a two to one underdog in, yeah. this, in this one. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think people give Whitaker enough, um, you know, praise for for what he's done. Um, because of those shots we've seen him take, mm-hmm. constantly hearing too. about injuries. He's not the biggest of, of the middleweights. I mean, but man, like, it's really impressive what he's done so far. And the other crazy thing um, about uh, about Whitaker is that this is the first time that he's actually going to be the older fighter in a fight in his entire career. Really? And Gastelum's been the younger fighter in every one of his fights. So it's cool to see both these guys pretty young get to the, the highest level. Uh, how old? What's, what are their age? Uh, uh, 28 and 27. Yeah, young. Or, yeah, yeah, Whitaker's 28, just turned 28. And he looks a lot older, too. Jeez. Yeah. Either I look really young, or these guys are looking old. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> they look a lot older you, than you me. Get, you, do, you do tend to age when you fight uh, 10 rounds with Yoel Romero. Yeah. Man, it's, maybe it's the facial hair. These guys all have goatees and, and beards. Yeah. This is strangely Whitaker's first title defense, technically, because the Romero fight with Romero, missed he missed weight. And yeah. uh, when he beat Romero the last time, it was for the interim title. So, um yeah, th- this is uh, kind of the coming out party for Whitaker, but he's going to have to get through a very tough opponent. In yeah, order like for... I mean, same thing. Like I'm just Whitaker's such a good guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, so you want to see him do well. Um, so I don't know, man. And, and you know what? I when think... you look at Adesanya, I think he matches up fairly well against both these guys. I think he'd match up better against Whitaker because he, the threat of the takedown probably wouldn't be there. But uh, I think that the 
the range and the size against a guy like Gastelum oh, is going to yeah. be huge for him, too. His Gastelum's like 5'9". His nine. knees. Adesanya's yeah. got good knees, too. Him yeah. coming in, having a close distance. I think that's a... Uh, both are very favorable for Adesanya. I, I'm telling you, the guys that I want to see, the biggest test for Adesanya has to be the... Like Jacare. The Jacare's, the Weidman's. The, if Luke Rockhold, I know he's moving up, but that would be an incredible fight. But um, Weidman right now, the problem with him is like he he's... Basically played himself out of the mix for the the, the high level fights. I mean, he's one and four in his last five. And I think Weidman just had a, a disc replacement in his neck as well. So and you I think d- he's out? Yeah, for yeah, a bit he's too. out for a little bit. But you know what? When you look at the Anderson Silva being whatever one and four, one four and one in his last uh, six, and you look at Weidman being one and four, or even two and four if you want in his last six. Look at the circumstances and how different they are. His first win was a grounded pound win over Belfort, which Belfort was off the, off the sauce at that point in time, yeah. and he was a massive favorite. Second one was that fight against Rockhold where he got pummeled and lost. Then the fight against Romero where he was doing well, but then got hit with that flying knee in the third round yeah. and got knocked out badly. Then he got knocked out uh, by Musasi with that knee, that you know, kind of a controversial finish, but still a finish nonetheless. Mm-hmm. The Gastelum win. And then from there, the loss to uh, to Jacare, where he got knocked out fairly badly in the third round. So, yeah. so you know, in order for him to get back to the, into the mix, is he, he's going to have to do something of value. Yeah, and it probably will have to beat the loser of this fight. Like, it, especially that's a lot if of, that's a lot of no- that's a lot of knockouts on the on the career too. Yeah, that that Taking a lot of shots. So, to your chin. Yeah, so I mean, the chin's definitely uh, is weakened at that point. When Weidman beat Silva. I thought he was going to be like an all-time legend. I, I just didn't twice, see how people. Right? Yeah, well, I didn't see how anybody was going to beat Weidman. His stand-up was so good. His his ground game is phenomenal. Yeah. Probably good wrestling. Better than yeah. Probably better than his, his his stand-up. Yeah, very very good grappling. Just on the ground, like his MMA jujitsu is really really good. Yep. Um, all right, so why don't we talk to uh, the individual who we focused on for most of the show, and that's Israel Adesanya. Um, got a chance to speak with him leading up to this fight. From the time of this taping, these guys still need to make weight, but uh, hopefully that happens without uh, without fail, and we get to see these fights happen. Uh, here he is, Israel Adesanya, joining us now on the TSN MMA Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. Joining us now on the TSN MMA Show, it's the people's main event, as Ariel Helwani has coined it, Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva in really a, an incredible uh, match of styles. But, uh, you know, your nickname is the Style Bender. I don't know if you played Mortal Kombat growing up, but many have co- compared and contrasted you to Anderson Silva. I see you almost like Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat. You have your own style, but you're also, to, you know, Tsung. able to incorporate, yeah. yeah, you can incorporate the styles of other fighters kind of with the flick of a switch. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I'm a copycat ninja. I'm a copycat ninja the way I move. So, yeah, uh, I, I see things and I can replicate it because of my dancing black background. Um... Yeah, I like that. I'm able to. I'm able to just, you know, do what I do. You're like a combat chameleon. Yeah, exactly. Combat chameleon. I like that. Ooh, I want to trademark that, but I'll give you ten percent. Uh, you got a deal. <laughs> I, I was. I was working with zero percent. Now I've got ten. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so Anderson Silva. I mean, this is going to be a, such an interesting matchup because I think you you mentioned this in the most recent embedded is that neither of you have really had an opponent where you know that it's going to basically be a stand-up affair in terms of MMA. Obviously, in kickboxing, you had many, uh, 75 wins in kickboxing. But uh, is that what makes this such a good matchup, such a compelling matchup? Was that? Um, yeah, I mean, this is MMA. If this was a like, strictly striking fight, I mean, come on. That's not even going to be you know, a contest. But this is MMA. This is what makes it interesting because he can pull guard on me. He can take me to the ground. 
or try to anyways. And you can see in my last few fights, all those who've tried have failed. Um, but yeah, uh, this fight is just interesting because of the story behind it, not just because of the we're both strikers. I think it's because of the story behind the fight. That's what makes this fight interesting because I get to slay a legend. Yeah, that is kind of the cool thing. It's almost like, uh, you know, protege versus master. Um, how much of an influence yeah. did Anderson Silva actually have on the way you fight it? How much of him did you watch coming up? A lot. I used to try and mimic a lot of the stuff he did as a kid, but I'm not a kid anymore. I'm grown. I'm a grown man, and I have my own style. When you started getting, you know, really more focused on MMA, did you have a list of guys where you said it would be really cool to be matched up against this guy? Yeah, but I thought he would be retired by the time I got to this point. So I'm really uh, I'm surprised he's still in it. Uh, you know, he's a guy that he's still he's a veteran. So yeah, he's still in the, in the game, and it just made sense for me to take him out of the game. I feel like the narrative surrounding Anderson is a little bit flawed. You know, people talk about him being one four and one in his last six, but one of those fights was an overturned win. The Bisping fight was really razor thin, close. Uh, he took the Cormier fight off the couch. You know, Cormier is one of the pound for pound best ever, and he was on a full camp. And another one of those losses was a freak yeah. injury. Do you think the public is kind of underestimating Silva yeah. going into this fight? I think so. I think everyone's just a lot of MMA just keeps blowing up. You know, over the last few years, and over the last few years, millions of people keep you know tuning in, but they they don't see what who Anderson Silva was when he was in his reign, when he was running through everyone. So, yeah, um, I just, I don't really, I don't really listen to anything anyone else has to say. I just focus on me at the end of the day. Like I, like I mentioned, this is probably the people's main event. People are really excited about this particular fight. But with Anderson Silva, we've seen some of his fights result in something of a stalemate. You remember the ones with Maya and Leitas? Now, these are grappling-style fighters, obviously. But do you feel like this could end up being three rounds of just trying to feel each other out? Or do you think that this will be a guaranteed fireworks type of fight? Well, I can't speak for him. But I know for me, I've never been in a boring fight. In every fight, I always make people react the way I want them to react. And I take them out. So, yeah, I, can, I can't speak for him. He might not want to engage, but I know for me, I have never been in a boring fight ever. Both of you are masters of timing. Um, as fighters age, timing sometimes tends to be a little bit less sharp. Uh, are you looking to capitalize upon that, making sure that your timing is a little bit ahead of Anderson's? Uh, my timing's sharp. I'll be dialed in. I'll be dialed in. By the time the fight comes to play, so yeah, I don't I don't really worry about anything about him. I just want to impose my will. I want to impose my game on him. And he's been working with Alex Pereira. Pereira has really been your only kryptonite in terms of kickboxing in recent years. Uh, does that bother you at all that he's working yeah. with him, or do you think that that's uh, just a strategic way of him trying to get in your head? Yeah, it's such a troll move on his part. He's trying to, you know, uh, let me see if I even he. There's nothing he can, like, Pereira can teach him about me. I don't really feel there's nothing. Pereira's been in there with me twice, but there's nothing he can show him about me because I've evolved from who he fought back then. So, yeah, I mean, good for him. Pat himself on the back. Let's see how that helps him in this fight. I mean, we're also comparing apples to oranges here. I mean, the kickboxing realm, although Alex Pereira is looking to get into MMA at some point, you know, they're two very different animals. Yeah, Alex was just trying to catch catch any kind of sunshine, any kind of spotlight I 
Like any, because he, he, I'm doing way better than him. Put it this way: I've never watched any of his fights ever, ever. But I guarantee you, anytime I fight, he watches it. He's glued to the TV, telling people he he, he beat me. So yeah, I'm the one winning really. So I don't really care about him. I saw him the other day. He couldn't. Even, he just said, "Oh, no English." Cause I, I I I said something to him, and he's, "Oh, no English." And I just walked away. So yeah. I'm guessing by the expression on your face, though the English wasn't that necessary. No, you could feel my energy. I was bare feet, shorts on, hoodie. It was nighttime. They just arrived at the hotel, and I think they were shook because I was just—I was standing there. I was actually waiting for my Uber Eats. What? Yeah, they were shook to see me standing there at the front door, just waiting in bare feet. And then I walk up to him, and the whole crew—I Anderson wasn't there, but the whole crew was there, and um. Yeah, they were just. I just felt the the, the vibe. They were shook, like, "Oh shit, he's here." <laughs> but it's all good. I don't really care. I'll focus on Anthony Silva. So Dana White has said, if you and Whitaker are both successful on Saturday, he envisions the two of you fighting in a stadium in Australia. Is that something that you've ever envisioned in your mind? You know, fighting in in front of that kind of a crowd in MMA. Uh, I did it in kickboxing, so it never really bothered me then, and it's not going to bother me now. Do you like it, though? China, you know, Is it something you embrace? It doesn't really bother me. After the fight, yeah, sure. But while I fight, it's just, it could be two people in that stadium. Wouldn't, like, it wouldn't even make a difference. It's just, I'm focused. I'm dialed in at that time. Now, we see a lot of people with the uh, trying to get the champ-champ designation. You fought at 80 kilos before, which is fairly close to the 170-pound cutoff. Is welterweight kind of in your back pocket if you, if you run the table at, uh, at middleweight? Is that something you'd consider? Hell no. Fuck no. I'll die if I try and make welterweight. I would literally have to kill myself, so fuck no. <laughs> so one eighty five is pretty much perfect for you. Yeah, one eighty five is my division. Also I feel like there's gonna be a one ninety five pound division one day. I really feel that. And yeah, if that happens, cool. I'm down. One seventy five if they made that division is still too much? Um, money talks. <laughs> Money talks, so we'll see. But probably not. I don't. I, I just don't want to cut down. I think one eighty five is good for me. I can make like, yeah, a little bit less than that. But I just don't. I don't like to deplete myself too much because it feels. No, I don't know. No thanks. This past weekend, uh, Hanato Moicano lost his fight to Jose Aldo. Um, that's good news for Alexander Volkanovski, your training partner. Would you be pissed off if you saw Frankie Edgar get a title shot over him? Over uh, uh, Volkanovski. Yeah. Uh, well, Volkov kind of already said he's down to fight Aldo. He said it on Twitter, I believe. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bothered. I don't like. I think right now, who's uh, Max Holloway's got fight? He's got a fight lined up. No, not yet. It would either be probably Edgar or Volkanovski. Mm, I don't think he's fought Edgar yet. But yeah, either one of them is good because you know. But they're probably. I'm. I'm guessing they're probably going to lean towards Edgar. Edgar because he's already a former champion and a little bit of a bigger name, and they might match Alex with Jose Aldo, who's a former champion, and beating him. I mean, he's already like. Look, something happens to Edgar. Volkanovski is in. If Volkov can um, drum up a big campaign, he can get the title shot. But yeah, I won't be pissed off. I'm focused on my fight. And speaking of stadiums, if it ends up being Volkanovski, although that's probably going to take place in the stadium in Brazil. Uh, main, main event prediction. Um, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, do you have any sort of read on this fight? They're both in your division. I'm sure you've watched them in the past. 
Uh, I've watched him in the past, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never really been a fan of the star, to be honest. I've just thought he was good. But um, yeah, I think I have him winning this fight. I have him winning this fight. And then, yeah, I'll show you guys what happens after this fight. But I got to get through this first, because if I don't get through this fight, it's like a tournament. If I don't get through this fight, the first round, then there's no point. So I just have to focus on this round. All right, Israel, thanks for joining us. The last dialbender, the combat chameleon, Shang Tsung. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. I appreciate that. The combat chameleon. Yeah. That was Israel Adesanya, very confident going into this fight against Anderson Silva. Uh, enjoyed picking the brain of the, the combat chameleon, the last dialbender, yeah. Shang Tsung. <laughs> Love it. He's a, he's a charismatic guy, and he'll be a great champion. He will he could be a superstar in this sport, especially yeah, it, if he beats like an Anderson Silva and then one of Whitaker Gaslam. Yeah, his ability to talk is just incredible. So, Well, one thing I wanted to find out going into this was uh, how these guys are being received in Australia and Oceania as a whole. Um, we've got uh, Denis Skuratov of Submission Radio. If you don't uh, listen to Submission Radio, it's a great podcast, great YouTube content. You can go to submissionradio.com to find their work. It's Casper uh, uh, Rosalowski and uh, Denis Skuratov, and they're both, uh, both very entertaining guys uh, over on that side of the pond. So uh, here's Dennis discussing what this means for Australia and uh, breaking down this card a little bit uh, with me here on the TSN MMA show. All right, we're going down under for UFC 234, and who better to speak with than... The folks whose backyard is the host of the biggest weekly mixed martial arts show in Australia. That's Submission Radio. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, I, I really urge you to check it out. It's a very, very good show. And uh, one half of the Submission Radio team, uh, Dennis Shkretov, joins us right now. Did I get your last name right there? That's very, very impressive, Aaron. That's a good start to the interview. Yeah, I'm not going to attempt it again. I'm just going to roll with it. From You're, you're just Dennis <laughs> from here on out. <laughs> so the uh, the UFC is in your backyard. Um, tell tell us about how big of a star Robert Whitaker is there. I mean, we had George St. Pierre in Canada, and he became a transcendent mm-hmm. star. He crossed over to the U.S. Robert hasn't done that just yet, but how big of a star is he in in Australia? Yeah, it's a good question, Aaron. Look, uh, when you look at it from the outside, when it comes to promotion and what people are talking about him, it certainly seems like Robert Whitaker's. Uh, a big star down here, but uh, I wouldn't say he's a star at all. I'd say he's sort of getting to be to a level where, he, where he's a somewhat known um, athlete down here. He's certainly not uh, anywhere close to, you know, one of the most popular athletes down here. Um, oh, it's just crazy, man, because, you know, I could talk about this for hours, but just very, very quickly, down in Melbourne, there's, there's like, so many professional sports. There's the Australian Football League, there's the NRL, and those two take up most of the media space. And then you've got your cricket, which take, that, that's like 90,000 people going watching it live. You know, millions of people watching it at home. So uh, fighting is, is really low on the totem pole. And then local boxing, people like Anthony Mundine and Danny Green, names that people wouldn't really know internationally, sort of take up those spots as well. So Robert's sort of down the very bottom there. And when it comes to UFC fighters, He's nowhere near as popular as, you know, even guys like Anderson Silver, George St. Pierre are much more popular down here. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It kind of, it, the UFC is trying to make it seem like he's a big star, but he's not a big star at all. Uh, he's not really a star, but um, he's getting to a point where people sort of do recognize him a little bit more. I would say that Mark Hunt was probably a bigger star, especially going into UFC 200 when he was about to fight Brock Lesnar. I think if Mark Hunt 
walk down the street, no doubt about it, he'd get mobbed. I don't, no, I think people would recognize Rob and stuff like that, but he, he does sort of keep to himself. He lives in the outer suburbs of Sydney. He, you know, he doesn't sort of say anything too outlandish. He stays down the line, and um, he, it, it hasn't sort of helped him break out as quickly. So hypothetically, Anderson mm-hmm. Silva and Robert Whitaker walk into a shopping mall in Melbourne. Who gets recognized more? Oh, man, I hate to look, and I hate to say this because it just feels wrong, especially because Rob's such a great guy, and I've known him such 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 a long time before he even blew up. But uh, you know, for me, without a doubt, Anderson Silva would be noticed straight away. I mean, not to mention that Anderson is a huge name, and you know, Anderson, you know, his face is synonymous with the sport. But um, you know, he's got a he's got the the Brazilian accent, you know. He's tall, but he'd be noticed straight away down here. Whereas Rob, you know, Rob would just blend into the crowd and people wouldn't really notice him unless he was sort of walking around without his shirt off and looking mean. (laughs) So optically, from an outside perspective looking in, people are talking about Israel Adesanya if he, you know, beats Anderson and Robert Whitaker if he gets past Kelvin, that this is going to be a big deal in Australia. It's going to take place in a stadium like Etihad Stadium. Uh, like similar to how Ronda and Holly did, it's going to sell it out and it's going to be like a national holiday in Australia. Is that overplayed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's total bull, bull crap because, listen, the, Israel Adesanya is like, we want to do this fight in New Zealand and it's going to be like New Zealand versus Australia because New Zealand and Australia, we love each other, but we're always versing each other. We want to play each other in rugby. We want to play each other in cricket and 100,000 people come out. It's like a friendly rivalry, you know? And... um the thing is, though, Robert Whitaker is from New Zealand yeah, as well. Yeah, he's a Kiwi. Forgetting that. Yeah, he's a Kiwi, so that wouldn't happen. And so then, I mean, it would be a big fight. They could put it in a big stadium in New Zealand. But down here, honestly, I think a Robert Whitaker versus Anderson Silva fight would generate more people, more butted seats at Eddie Hatt Stadium. Um, and I don't know if a Robert would, and this is like, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying, I'm just being realistic here. Um, and I hope none of the Aussie fans get upset at me for saying this, but I don't know if an, and, um, a Robert Whitaker Israel Adesanya fight would fill out Eddie Had Stadium. I think it might, you know, it might. But like the Ronda Rousey Holy Home one, like, you know, like th- that sort of filled it up. But that that was a huge fight, you know. It's hard to fill out that stadium. It's very very difficult. Yeah, again, I, I, I'm just trying yeah. to pick your brain here because I, I, you, you see it would these be things. Anderson Silva, I mean, Robert Whitaker, I think for the title. Look, here's the thing. It's like Izzy and Anderson got announced on this card. And the card sold in like eight or nine minutes, right? This is Rod Laver, one of the most iconic arenas, by the way, in the world. People don't realize this. Federer plays there. The, the biggest champions of the world play there. The, the, cold, the, the floor's covered in gold down there. But um, one of the best-built arenas I've ever been in as well. Much better sound than like Madison Square Garden and stuff like that. But the reason why it sold out, I believe, is because people saw Anderson Silva was coming down to Melbourne. And they're like, oh, hell, like Anderson Silva versus Israel Adesanya. We have to get this. You know what I mean? But if it was Israel Adesanya versus Jacare... Right, and I got nothing against Jacare because I love Jacare. It wouldn't sell us quickly. There's just no doubt about it. So Anderson Silva does have a high level of importance in Huge. this market. Huge. Okay, that's interesting Huge. to know. Yeah. So it's similar to Canada. I mean, if if that was happening in Canada and we had um, not a George Saint Pierre, but like let's say Elias Theodoru um, against Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva would probably be the bigger draw. No disrespect to Elias if he's listening, but yeah, that's just kind of how it is. I mean, he's an iconic figure in the sport. Yeah, but it's like I try to break it down like this. It's like, you know, in Ireland or maybe in London, uh, you know, there's a local guy and people really get behind him. That, then that guy can sell out a whole arena. In Australia, we, we certainly get like that. But I 
think with the fans down here, you know, we love the international fighters. Like, we love the big names, and that's what kind of sells things. And it's not that people get turned off when they see a card like this where, you know, the undercard has so many local guys. But I know a lot of people were disappointed with this card after this whole thing was announced because they, they announced the top two fights. And they're like, oh, my God, this is going to be the best card ever. And then the rest of the card got announced. You know, it's the classic the clown from The Simpsons. Like, what the hell is that? Uh. You know, and people were on social media <laughs> trying to sell their ticket and stuff like that. I mean, there were people on social media trying to sell their tickets after this thing was sold out because they were like, well, why is, like, why is this guy fighting this guy in Australia? Like, and who are these guys? People don't know, you know, the majority of the cut. There are a few local guys, guys like Karen Potter and stuff, making their debut. Jimmy Crute, you know, Nadia, which is great, but, it, you know, people are a bit disappointed. Jim Crute might be the most Australian name I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, for sure. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, you're right. This card outside of the top two fights is a bit of a dog's breakfast. And I talked about it on the last podcast where, you know, any card that the UFC puts on, I'm going to watch. I, I love the sport, and I, I love the, just the aspect of competition. I, even like a, a Hani Yaya versus Ricky Simone fight, to me, is, uh, is going to be a cool fight. But in terms of name value, if you're in Australia, I think that they, the fans are probably hoping for a little bit more. Yeah, I think, look, it's, it's one of those things where the octagon was only legalized not long ago, and fans are still learning about the sport, you know. And you have this weird atmosphere when you get there on a Sunday morning around 9 in the morning or something like that, and the fights start, right? And this is an experience that no one can really understand unless you go there live and you're sitting there. And fans here in Australia, just like, you know, all other major cities, you know, they go out and they party hard on a Saturday night. So Sunday morning, they will themselves to the arena and they get themselves to the seat and then they sit down and then you have someone that you don't really know. And if the fight doesn't go well, it, you know, it does create a negative sort of experience for those fans. And, you know, I could bring up, you know, Jared Rocholt versus Stefan Struve at UFC 193 as an example of people who didn't know MMA. And there were a lot of people who didn't know. They just came to see Ronda Rousey. We're like, what is going on? And why did we pay money for this show? This is horrible. You know what I mean? So you, you run the risk of sort of giving somebody a bad, bad experience if, you get sort of names that they don't know, and then the fights don't work out. So it's, 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 it's interesting. It's an interesting situation. Now let's go to the X's and O's of this thing. Who do you predict win the, uh, the top two fights? I, I don't need your prediction on uh, Waligi Buren versus uh, Jonathan Martinez, but I'm interested in uh, how, how you think these top two fights are going to go down. Yeah, yeah, look, uh, look without a doubt, you look at it, and you're like, all right, Israel Adesanya is going to beat Anderson Silva, okay? Like, it's, it's just a no-brainer. We were at the open workouts yesterday, and I'm not the type of person that's like, oh, this guy looked like this at the open workouts, so this, is, this means he's going to destroy this guy. But, you know, Israel looked amazing. Anderson was, you know, very slow. Obviously, he was still sore from a workout. He doesn't want to show what he's got. But the question is, what kind of Anderson are we going to see on the day? Will his speed hold up? Will he be able to use his reflexes against Israel Adesanya? I believe Izzy should beat him, but here's the thing. A couple of question marks just quickly. The first one is, um, if Anderson is in there, first of all, Anderson is really loose and really happy all fight week. You know what I mean? Like, he's not intense. He's not worried about anything. It looks like he's just having fun. If he's in the octagon like that and he starts doing all his Anderson tricks, will Israel Adesanya, being someone who always idolized the guy, Will he switch from being a fighter in the octagon to a guy watching him in there? And then that, if that's what happens, will Anderson Silva be able to do what he needs to do to win this fight? That's my first question. Question number two, I was talking to his uh, teammate, Kai Kara Francis, also on the card. He's a big-name flyweight out of New Zealand, actually a big deal down here. And you guys can check that interview out on the Submission Radio YouTube channel, Cheap Plug. And he said 
that uh, he thinks Israel Adesanya is going to beat Anderson Silva by submission. And that made me think, why are these guys thinking that Israel Adesanya is going to beat Anderson Silva by submission? And that, to me, could be a pathway for Anderson Silva to win. Imagine this, Israel Adesanya knocks Anderson Silva down. Rather than getting Anderson Silva to stand back up, he goes, hey, I'm great on the ground. I'm just going to go finish this. Jumps on the floor, tries to go for a submission. Uh-uh, Anderson Silva is super sneaky on the ground. We all know he's quite a good submission artist. Catches Israel Adesanya. So there are ways for Anderson to win this fight, but I think Israel should win it. When it comes to the main event, man, Kelvin Gaston is such an underrated beast. I mean, this is going to be a super tough fight for Robert Whitaker. Robert's going to try and fight him at distance. He's going to try and use his footwork to keep him at bay and sort of use his reach. Um, it, it, just, it takes no genius to figure out what he'll be throwing in his fight. Just watch some of his open workouts. I mean, he's going to keep him at distance with that, with that check hook. He's going to be throwing that far jab. He's going to be moving backwards and throwing punches and really trying to move around that octagon and get Calvin Gaston tired. His grappling is really, really good. Look, I'm going to go with Robert Whitaker here. But, man, this is a fight that could go either way on any day, you know, any given Sunday. Just imagine Al Pacino standing in the back giving a speech because that's what's going through my head every time I try to come up for a prediction. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I keep hearing a lot of people write Gastelum off. And personally, I like if you look at it from all elements, I think Gastelum's the better grappler. I think he's got the definitely has the better wrestling. And then when you look at the striking, you look at what Gastelum did to guys like Tim Kennedy. Um, he's dropped, I think, almost all of his opponents at middleweight so far. Whitaker and what he's just been through, those two wars with Jacques Array, or sorry, with Yoel Romero, I mean, he's got miles on him right now. He, and this is the first time he's actually the older fighter in, in any fight that he's had in the UFC. Gastelum has been the younger fighter in all of his fights. But I, I, I honestly, I actually am leaning Kelvin Gastelum in this fight. And I, I know that I'm in the vast minority here when I say that. But, um, you know, that's how, that's how I'm looking at it. And in terms of your breakdown of Israel and uh, Anderson Silva, I see it the same way. If this becomes kind of a playful fight where these guys are playing around a little bit, that's, that's going to be Adesanya buying into, into what Silva is doing. And if Silva's as popular as you making him out to be in Australia, this isn't going to be a partisan crowd for Adesanya. It could be a bipartisan crowd. And if that happens, it could go either way. And when you look at the fact that Silva's like 11 to 1 to win by decision, I think that's an insane, uh, insane, those are insane odds. So, um, you know, I, that's, that's just the way I'm looking at it. And I think we have kind of similar perspectives here. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, look, Kellen Gassam, and just for, for you know, Kelvin Gaslam looks great. He's been in Melbourne for a while now. He's training with some great camps. You know, I find it really interesting, Aaron, because um, uh, Cash brought this up during this, one of the scrums earlier in the week, but I think it is, it is quite important to bring up. Um, he's training in Dan Kelly's gym um, in, in, in Melbourne uh, right now with, with a bunch of his guys, and to, people will be like, well, why does that matter? Well, Dan Kelly you know, knows Rob Whitaker better than anyone else. And Dan Kelly, and Rob will usually train with those guys. You know, like, he doesn't train with those guys. He's from Sydney, but no doubt about it, like, he'll go down there, he'll train with those guys. Like, they know each other very, very well. I definitely think that's a big advantage for Gaslam. And, man, he just looks happy and ready to go. There's something weird on his face. We don't know what it is. It looks a bit sus. He had to put some tape over it. It looks like some kind of, like, infection or something. But apart from that... It looks great. Well, let's hope that it's nothing that can jeopardize this fight because if those two big <laughs> fights turn into one big fight, uh, the rest of the card's not going to uh, it's going to leave much to be desired. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, so, what, what's the vibe like down there? I mean, how how many media members are down there? I know ESPN's got their entire crew for the most part down there. You got Chael down there, uh, Melendez, Brett Okamoto. So, I know ESPN are sending these guys to all of the pay per views. Uh, does it have a big a big feel to it? 
You know, that's, that's a good question. There was some good, a good number of people that came out to the open workouts yesterday, which was a fantastic uh, sign. Over at Fed Square, which was, by the way, voted by newspaper as one of the 21 ugliest uh, structures built in the world. Um, and uh, I think the big question is going to be, what's the turnout going to be like at this press conference today? Apparently, all the t- all three tickets have been given out. And then what's the turnout going to be like at this way and, and Q&A tomorrow? The, the vibe, I'd say the vibe's actually probably been the highest since, I want to say, like UFC 193, um, because people are really excited about Anderson. I think people appreciate the fact that it's a pay-per-view down here and that, you know, the UFC's taking this thing seriously. So there is a bit of a vibe about it. But the, the key is, because there's no other major sports on at, the t- at this time, there are some major outlets down here. There's quite a few media members. It's, it's a pretty good scene down here. I mean, we're, it's... A, we're down here. Um, there's some people that came down internationally. Even guys like Mac Life and stuff are down here. And you've got guys, uh, some big newspapers down here. And then obviously the ESPN guys are down here. So yeah, no, there's quite a few people trying to do their thing down here, fighting in Australia, all those kind of guys. So not, that's not packed. Look, it's nowhere near like any kind of card you'd cover in Vegas or anything like that, or probably Canada. But there's a few people down here. Yeah, so they sent Joanna and uh, Henry Zahuda down too. So pretty good guest fighters. Uh, so, so yeah, and is- Donald Cerrone. And oh wow! Got, okay. oh, yeah. Don't forget Jake Matthews. Yeah, Jake Matthews. Yeah, the the Australian Bieber. <laughs> Love that guy. So submissionradio.com is where you can find that information about Submission Radio. It's Australia and New Zealand's biggest weekly mixed martial arts show. Uh, it's based in Melbourne, so that's where the card is this week. It's in your backyard. The show's been around for almost five years. Pretty crazy. Uh, been a great ride for you guys, and uh, you guys are part of the Podcast One Network in Australia. Podcast One here in North America is a, a big deal, so uh, hoping it's as big of a deal in Australia. And um, it's great to hear your voice, Dennis. Hopefully I'll see you again soon. Are you coming down to Vegas for 235? We won't make 235, Aaron, but we'll be down there soon. And, look, it's a pleasure to be here. Obviously, we love what you do, and we can't wait to see you again. Yeah, if you guys want to check it out, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel because a lot of people – expect a podcast there's no podcast on our coverage but there's a bunch of media day stuff and we have a few sneaky surprises coming up so yeah when's the next podcast I, I keep refreshing every day yeah you know we took a bit of a break i had some uh, had some family emergencies and, and some deaths in the family and stuff that i'm just currently dealing with but we, i think we'll be back next week and we kind of had to recharge the batteries a little bit because you, you know how crazy it is. You know, you, you have a fantastic program and you know how hard it is to get good guests every week and stuff like that. But we'll be we'll be back, I think, next week or if not next week, the week after and we'll be back right into it. So who knows, maybe there'll be a sneaky appearance by Aaron if you'll say yes once in a while. One, yeah, I've been turning you guys down on a weekly basis because of my very busy schedule. So, uh, you know, if, if, that, if that ever does come into fruition, you, you should consider yourself very lucky, very lucky. <laughs> All right, Dennis. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon, and uh, enjoy the card. Hopefully, it uh, it delivers, regardless of the name value. You know, these cards always have the potential to do that. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be on. That was Dennis Skuratov of Submission Radio. Uh, great speaking with him about uh, all things uh, Australian MMA. I, I always like having these regional guys on going into these cards because I get to learn a little bit about what's going on in the, in that side of the world. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching the. Uh the week, the daily vlogs the, there. The embedded, yeah, yeah, the embedded. It was uh, this. The city seems to be really taking them in, especially with that graffiti they they they've, sh- yeah. they've shown is incredible. Cool. So I'd love to go there one day. Beautiful, beautiful country yeah, and too. continent. Yeah, it's one of those on my bucket lists there. Well, hope that, let's hope that Glory goes there. You can just go. That's it. That would go be and nice. stay for an extra week. Yeah, I don't know. We have no uh, Australian fighters, so surprising. What's the weather like there right now? Because we, all these ESPN guys are, are down there. 
It might be dying down there. I'm imagining it's super high. Oh, no. Well, right now. Oh, sorry. Well, right now. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I thought it was going to be like 40 degrees out there. It's only like 24. I'm good it's with that. It's actually really good. It's actually going to be only 19 on the Saturday. Well, it's 4 minus right 4 right now. So, well, of course, with... it's better, but I, I thought it was going to be really hot there. I thought it was like summer this time of year, yeah. isn't it? I thought so, too. What's going on? Unse- so unseasonably cold. Huh? Tough break. <laughs> uh, anyhow, it's, uh, uh, it's somewhat of an interesting card. You, you, uh, aside from the, the two, again, the top two fights, not a whole lot to, to go off of. But, uh, Joe, as I, we mentioned earlier for our picks, we both like Kelvin Gastelum, so we've kind of deferred on uh, picking him. Why don't we both take him? Let's both take Kelvin Gastelum. Okay. And then if he wins, we'll give each other the, the money. We'll, it'll be a push we'll anyways. There we go, yeah. And then we'll, we'll make a, a second pick. Let's, uh, let's, let's do that. So who do you like for your second pick? Uh, I'm going to go with Jim Crute. There's minus um, 135. Um, I just like um, he works with uh, a K-1 uh, veteran coach in Sam Greco. Good low kicks, likes to come forward, exciting fighter. Um, yeah, just got a, a good feeling. Um, Sam, uh, Sam Alvey just seems like, I don't know, he's just very casual, very happy watching him in the embedded just with his kids and his workouts are him just hitting the bag while his son's calling combinations. It's cute, but this is a killer sport. And uh, I know he's smiling, but Jim Crute's got some nasty kicks, so going with Jim. Looks like in the last 24 hours, a good chunk of chains come in on Anderson Silva. Really? Yeah, the lines drop about 10%. Hey. But uh, that's not who I'm going with. Uh, although I do like, as I mentioned, the decision prop. Let's see what's that. It was at, it was at 11 to 1 earlier in the week. It's, it's at, uh, let's see, by submissions, actually. Oh, that's Adesanya by submission. But Silva by submissions, plus, like, it's about 15 to 1. But uh, Silva by decisions, yeah, it's plus 850. It was actually plus 1100 when it opened up, okay. which is, I thought was, like, tremendous value. Uh, even though I, I still think Adesanya is going to win, but you know, I, again, yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's just bad. for eleven to one. If that kind of my theoretical yeah. thinking of a potential decision, yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah, I see um, it. The the one that I'm going with though is a, I like a value the value on uh, Rowley and Pava, who's fighting Kai Kara France. I think Kai Kara France is an excellent, excellent fighter. But I went back and watched some tape on Rowley and Pava, and he's he's quite good at flyweight. I think he he brings a lot to the table. Very good striker, good on the ground, and uh, this fight I think. Just the line is a bit off. I do think that Kai Kara France probably is going to take it, but Pava's got a really good record. He's uh, he's fought good good opposition. I mean, nothing crazy, but uh, enough to show me, uh, and especially his fight on Dana White Contender Series, that he's got he's got a lot going for him. So I think that at that kind of value at plus two ten, I'm going to take a stab on him. Uh, although, like I mentioned, I think Kai Kara France is uh, one of the the better flyweights uh, in the world right now. So it's it's going to take a, a good uh, amount of work to beat him, but. I think that uh, Pava is a, a solid prospect. I think well, he's only like 23 years old as well. He's hmm. 18 to 1. What's the odds with uh, Montana De La Rosa? She's a pretty sizable favorite, if I remember. She's minus 250 against Nadia Kassem. Okay. If it was closer, I was thinking about maybe adding her on it, but uh, no. Yeah. I'll keep my pick. And Nadia Kassem's a good prospect, too, but I do think that Montana probably will, yeah, her will get that length, one. Her length and reach. Yeah, good subs. And when, you know, Kassem's only win is over Alex Chambers, who. Is kind of the the person that they bring in when they want somebody to have a good debut. <laughs> I mean, they no disrespect, Alex <laughs> Chambers. Yeah. What about uh, Venata? Lando's uh, Lando's actually fighting a guy who's like six and four. Yeah. So he's a really big favorite as well. He's minus four twenty. I think that he's going to win that fight too. But uh, yeah, I like his striking. Yeah, very really like very good, striking. diverse striking. He actually yeah. has two draws in his last three fights, which really? is very uh, very rare. But uh, this guy Marcos Rosa, I've watched some tape on him, and he's uh, it's nothing to write home about. Um, 
I'm excited to see Jalen Turner. You know, he took a fight on short notice against uh, Thiago Santos and lost that fight. But uh, and he's facing a short notice uh, Australian prospect and uh, Callan uh, Potter, who's uh, who's has a lot of fights under his belt and uh, has been pretty big in the Australian regional scene. But I think Jalen Turner is a really fun fighter to watch. I think almost all of his finishes are in the first round. I've I've heard some news on uh, Shane Young. All right, uh, what about him? Uh, Shane, well, Shane Young is a, a, a solid prospect, but this is another one that I was looking at in terms of a pick. I was actually on the fence with him because I, I think Austin Arnett has tremendous value uh, right now at plus 260. Uh, the only win that Shane Young has is over Rolando D, who I don't think too much of. But uh, Austin Arnett's coming off a solid win, and I think that uh, at that price, he's worth a look as well. So those are our picks. That's it. To recap, uh, we both like Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, the odds on Kelvin Gastelum right now are uh, plus 190, so about 2 to 1. And uh, you're going with Jim Crute at minus 135, and I'm going to go with Rowley and Pava, who, uh, Perfect. to recap, was uh, plus 210. There we go. I'm chipping away at you. I don't have our totals in front of me. No, but, but uh, I'm slightly ahead, right? Yeah, did we make picks for the last card? I don't think we did because you were uh, away. No, we did. I thought oh, we, we did. did. I, I think I took Aldo. Um... I took uh, Charles Oliveira, I believe. Yeah, so we both won. That's yeah. good. I'm pretty sure I, think I took Oliveira, Oliveira was like minus. Yeah, they're about about the same. Aldo was like plus one twenty, and Oliveira was like yeah. minus one ten or something. We'll have to go back and listen. But who yeah, goes I'm to both sure of us? Let's Oliveira. go. Yeah, Let's keep the momentum going. Great. Yeah. I want both of us to be up big at the end of the year, Me even too. even if you win. Yeah, I, yeah. And I mean, I'm very competitive. So are you, <laughs> especially in this this realm. I know you don't like losing. You lost no. last year. You you yeah. want to come out on top in 2019. That's it. I agree. And I will. Yeah, well, I, I like your confidence, Joe. As, <laughs> you, as I always As always. I like your confidence. As always. All right. So uh, I think that'll just about do it. Why don't we, why don't we touch a little bit on the Sunset versus Marais? Um, speaking of big odds, I think Marais to win by submission was like pl- like 17 to 1. Really? And he won by submission the first round against the Sunset. Yeah, you heard him. Heard him with the hands and then finished it. But um, title shot next for him, your opinion. Well, yeah. So let's talk about that. I think I, if it were up to me, and I, I posed this on uh, on Twitter uh, earlier in the week, I think the best thing that they could do, if you're going to shut down the flyweight division, and it seems like that's where it's going, because it looks like John Moraga's been released, and it looks oh. like Dustin Ortiz has been released, so that division is like, it's a, it's the, cupboard, the cupboard is getting bare. You know, you know, you know when you need to get groceries, you want to get like some flour in there, and that's some, uh, you know, some, some old, old cookies. Uh, that's what the cupboard's looking like at flyweight right now, but uh, although old cookies don't, cookies don't stick around. That was a bad example. It's yeah. usually like rice cakes or something. Uh, so, <laughs> You look at Marais, he's I think he should be next in line for the Bandway title. But what they should do, in my opinion, is you do um, Henry Cejudo versus Joseph Benavidez at flyweight. You do okay. Marais versus Dillashaw at bantamweight. And you say, we're closing the flyweight division after this fight. And the winner of that fight is going to get the next shot at the bantamweight title. It's almost like an interim bantamweight yeah. title. But they're guaranteed a title shot next. Yeah, That's yeah, what I, like I would it. do. And then you close down the flyweight division with a little bit of grace. And yeah. uh, you, you give it a, a fine, a, some finality. You say this is the end date. However, from what I'm hearing from both Henry Cejudo and from uh, Ariel Hawani, the direction they're looking to go in is to do Cejudo versus Dillashaw, Dillashaw. next. And that, which would I think one, is a, that would be at bantamweight. Yeah, at bantamweight. I think that's a big disservice to Marais and also to the flyweight division because now if you do that, you're basically saying this is, you know, the flyweight division is done. Yeah, I agree with it. I think you can close it with some grace. Do, yeah. do Benavidez, who has a win over Cejudo, yeah, and Make Benavidez that the last is on fight. a tear, man. Yeah, and then you put Benavidez in there. Uh, you know, Benavidez versus uh, Dillashaw, that ends up happening. Two former training partners, that's got a fun storyline. And yeah. then Dillashaw versus Marais, or uh, sorry, uh, Benavidez versus Marais will be a yeah, fun fight, too. Just a big mess. But, uh, what and, are you of course, Cejudo versus either of those guys is fantastic I have as well. a feeling. It but a mess, but will they do uh, an interim title, you think? 
You think, um, that, you think for bantamweight? If, if if they um well if they do a Cejudo Dillashaw again, everybody's on the on the burner. You just torch the they they would just torch the flyweight division. I think at that point, just yeah, leave it. Just get rid of it. Uh, I don't think you drag it out for longer. Although you keep seeing these flyweight fights, like there was a flyweight just... fight. Uh, there's a flyweight fight on this card, the Kai Kara France uh, fight, and uh, that Bontorin versus Bibulatov. Even though B- uh, Bibulatov missed weight, that was supposed to be a flyweight fight as well. Yeah. So they keep doing yeah, these flyweight one fights. One more. I like your I like your path. Yeah, but nah, I don't know. If, if, that being said, if I'm running a promotion and I want to make a bigger fight, I do Delosha versus Cejudo. Yeah. So I, I can see it both ways. What did what did you what else did you glean from uh, this card? Anything else stand out um, to you? Um, I, I like I, I mentioned briefly earlier. I thought that Tiago Alves versus Max Griffin was a fun fight to watch. Yeah, but bad decision though. Yeah, really? I thought that Griffin thought, definitively Griffin won the won? first and third round. I thought Alves won. Did you? Yeah, I uh, thought his he, pressure. Maybe in you should that move to Brazil round. and become a judge. <laughs> That's Joe. it. I don't know. I I thought it was just a fun fight. The the, the fact that Alves got beat up in that first round and yeah, then to come back, back like that was just a, was a fun fight. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good fight. But uh, I also uh, Jose Aldo looked good. Oh, Minus yeah. what what I didn't like was um, he got a little excited in my opinion. He got that finish, but he exposed his chin like he's like a good counter punch off of a guy moving backwards. Aldo's it's it's a rerun of you know the Connor. Yeah. Well, that's how three-round Aldo ru- operates. Three-round Aldo goes for the kill. Yeah, like, Because he knows that he's not going to have to fight f- six, four more rounds after but that. But his chin, when he was attacking, looked really high. It, it scared me a little bit. But uh, I just like that he's finished, and hopefully that's the Aldo back. But a lot of it was set off of good low kicks, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He started sure. attacking the leg. Was, was attacking the leg, too. Mokano was going at it, and then boom, Jose Aldo. I just don't know what Jose Aldo can do. Uh, if he's going to retire at the end of the year... Like, what, what do you do? Like, what's his ceiling? What does he want to do? Does he just want fun fights? I know he wants to fight at that stadium show. Yeah. Um, and both Volkanovski and uh, Brian Ortega have thrown their hats. Yeah, have thrown their hats. I've also heard uh, Pettis being an option for him. I would love to see Aldo versus Ortega. I think that would be an awesome yeah. fight. But um, who wanted the? Did Pettis want the fight with Aldo? Yeah, but Pettis is moving up to 170 now. And then now to go back down, but. Yeah, I don't know. Aldo's, that would be a fun one. Yeah, Aldo looked big, though. He looked thick. He looked good. Well, Aldo would have to move up to lightweight to face Pettis. Pettis, I don't think, is going to go down to featherweight. No, again. no, it yeah. would be a one fifty. I've I've seen Pettis walking around at recent events, and he looks big. Yeah, like he's a tank now. Okay, he's put. He's really filled out in like his late twenties. Which is well, his brother's going to have to right. Because his brother's fighting going to fight at bantamweight. He just lost to uh, just lost Rob Font. Rob Font, yeah. yeah. So, what about uh, uh, Oliveira? Oliveira, yeah, that was that a was great the, fight. The whole main card was fun. It was a great, yeah. Main card, the, the, main the card first fight, even the awesome. Sousa versus Frota was a fun one too. But Frota's moving up to one twenty five. Yeah. She weighed in at one twenty three for a strawweight fight. That, no bueno. The big talk about Johnny Walker. Oof, he delivered. Delivered definitely a, a blue label performance, as I called That's it. That's what they said. Yeah. Johnny Walker blue label with those moves too. Those dance moves, eh? Yeah, They're that guy's talking. a character, man. He is. You got to be fun. You got to keep giving that guy some winnable fights. Yeah, Build I was that laughing guy up. at. Uh, I was act- I was loving when uh, the uh, before he goes into Vaseline guy that yeah. the check yeah. and he's doing he's some like, like gyrating on the guy <laughs> and he didn't want to look or make eye contact and he quickly walked away and I was like oh that's too funny but <laughs> it was good he's a character he's gonna make it fun and I like him I, th- I think it's gonna be exciting I hope they they build him properly he reminds me a little bit of uh like an Anthony Smith you know like going in there hard punches that would be a fun fight you know what else would be a fun fight Johnny Walker versus Gokan Saki yeah 
Where's Sign that, it up. Where's uh, Dominic Reyes? He's uh, yeah, he's fighting. Uh, he's light he's fighting, heavyweight or middleweight? Yeah, light heavyweight. He's oh, fighting okay. Uzdemir next, okay. and he'll get a title shot if he wins that fight. Yeah, yeah, I like him too. And Dominic Reyes versus John Jones is a fight I'd love to see. I don't know if it'd be too soon for Dominic Reyes, but Dominic Reyes is an explosive athlete. Oh yeah, so I mean, th- those are all. I mean, good fights in the future. I mean, it, it seems like the light heavyweight division is getting a few names now that we can kind of get excited about it. Absolutely, finally. Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah. Johnny Walker, man, I'm excited. Good fights in the future. And Damian Maya's back. First yeah. down sub over Lyman Good. Yeah, but I mean, striker versus grappler match. I mean, I, it's I posted. Kind of I posted an incredible stat. I want to go see if I can find it because you're gonna you're gonna love it. So fill some time while I uh, talking about Damian Maya while I find the stat. Uh, fill some time. All right, what else did I? I'm like? putting you on the clock. That's it. Come on, Joe. You said presentations are easy with your your black belt and yeah, I can talk about anything here. Talk about life. Tell tell us about Houston. You were in Houston for glory. Did you like it? Houston was good. I was disappointed in no cornbread. You couldn't find so, cornbread anywhere. Well, I mean, it was just packed with glory stuff. And then uh, my flight, we had the snowstorm, so I lost the day in the snowstorm. And then right into interviews, I had to catch up. So I only had one day of barbecue and no cornbread. This, I can give you a good barbecue place in Pickering if you want to go. That has good cornbread. I think I went there. With pig out? Pig out, yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, it's good. I've been. Yeah, it was good. I did have cornbread there, too. That wasn't bad, right? Yeah, it was good. All right. For Pickering, Ontario, yeah, not they, bad. It didn't come in the meal. I had to, like, sweet-talk the lady to throw. I'm like, come on, you can throw a little cornbread <laughs> out for me. Come on, you can do it. She was, she was like, okay. She got it, yeah. Okay, sir, please don't hurt me. <laughs> uh, so combined significant strikes landed on Demi and Maya by the combination of Lyman Good, Carlos Condit, Neil Magny, Gunnar Nelson, Matt Brown, John Fitch, Rick Story, Dong Young Kim, and Chael Sonnen. Give me a, and a quarry. Give me a guess. How many combined? Combined that he hit that or he, that, no, that he absorbed? That he absorbed. Against Lyman Good, Carlos Condit, Neil Magny, Gunnar Nelson, Matt Brown, John Fitch, Rick Story, Dong Young Kim, Chael Sonnen, and Nate Quarry. Was that like 10 fights? That uh, is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 fights. 10 fights. Oh, let's, I know it's going to be a low number, but uh, let's say 400. 38. Really? 38 combined strikes landed on Demian Maya. Significant strikes landed okay. on Demian Maya. 3.8 per fight average with those 10 Dang. killers. That's it? Killers. I mean, a lot of fights. I don't know if Lyman Good and Nate Corey are killers. A fight, yeah. 50, 60 a fight, at least someone Think of take. how many title challengers are in there. Like, Carlos Condit is a two-time t- title challenger, I believe, and a former interim champion. Uh, Matt, uh, not Matt Brown, sorry. John Fitch is a title challenger. Chael, Chael Sonnen, two-time ch- title challenger. That's, that's it. That's pretty he just impressive. just gets on you and he just, that's it? Yeah. That's crazy. I knew it was going to be low, but I didn't think it was that low. I yeah. figured at least 20 shots a fight. And you could add, for th- you could make it 39 if you add Nate Marquardt, but Nate Marquardt knocked him out with that one shot. Yeah. So, But would you would you <laughs> consider, like, a, again, a jab? No. Nah. But still, like, yeah, you wouldn't have, Yeah. That's crazy. He just gets these. He That's snaps insane. up first round subs, right, or even second Dang. round subs. Just takes guys down, controls them. Thirty eight. Yeah. Pretty staggering number. That's ah, incredible. Yeah, and then if you look, well, at that's the, why he's like, forty one. Colby Covington still fighting though. Yeah, if exactly. He was yeah, more he's shots no damage. Than that, yeah, no damage. There you go. Like I mean, the, it, the the most damage he's taken is in those three fights prior to. But it's like old fight. school. Like you're looking at an older, not very muscular shaped body winning good fights. That that's what martial arts is. That's what Hoist Gracie showed us. You know, many many years ago. Exactly. And yeah. now we've got Cron Gracie coming in. Uh, I think his next week is his debut. Yeah. The, the ben Askren's probably going to have very similar numbers to yeah, that. Right. Well, hopefully against Robbie Lawler. Otherwise, he might have a he might yeah. have a short night. Yeah. All it takes is one from him. But uh, yeah, next next week we've got a really solid card. We've got uh, and that'll be on on TSN. Is the Naganu versus Velasquez fight? Oh, the yeah. first real UFC on ESPN card on the linear real TV. One. 
Yeah, the one that's like on TV, yeah, made for TV. Everybody's loving how um, they're finishing early. There's less breaks. It's just that's unbelievable. It's, it's been nice it. to be done at 10.30. And it's going to be the same on TV for them. This, this should be noted on ESPN. Uh, on TV, you know, the, the, when they were fo- doing Fox, they wanted to fit. They needed to fill the format. I've been told that on ESPN, there's no start or end time. That, really, well, right? there's a start time, but if the fight, if they do Naganu versus Velasquez, and it ends like, let's say the card starts at nine and the, the card ends at eleven ten, they just go into Sports Center. Yeah, and they're going to post. They're yeah. not going to have hard out times because they don't for baseball. They're not like this baseball game is going to end exactly at eleven o'clock. Sometimes it spills over. Sometimes I it know, goes. Sometimes under. it's annoying. You don't get those interviews. The relaxed time sometimes. It's so actually it's nice elevated to... the UFC product to such a higher level with the, the pacing. The pacing was such a killer. Oh, with, yeah. Like it's, it's look a at thing this in all combat sports. It's hard. But look at this last card in Fortaleza. How many of these fights didn't go the distance? We had one, two, three, four, five fights went the distance. But the rest of them all were inside the distance. So, for example, the last five fights on the card were first and second round finishes. So on Fox, that would have dragged out forever and ever and ever. Kept you up till whatever. One, yeah, 1 a.m. 1, 2 a.m. Yeah. Instead, they start the main card early. I think the main card started at 8. And then you're done at 10.25. Yeah. And, phenomenal. And a, and a good thing for people listening, too, is um, the time difference. They're, they're, they're fighting early in Australia. Yeah, right. So it's not like, because I was wondering what the time would have been. So they're actually fighting um, in the morning, right? Yeah, Sunday morning. So we'll get it. uh, I think the main card starts at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. View. Yeah, all the pay-per-views are still going to start, start at 10, 10 Eastern. 10. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of Which is kind of weird. I would. I don't know if I'd want to fight at like 3 p.m. Yeah, you know? I know. You kind of have to acclimate to it. You have to kind of get used to it. You're almost better off keeping it on your own time. Because we're used to training at night. You, most people are used to training at night. They peak at night. They like the fighting at night. I don't think I've ever fought daytime. In this. Have you ever fought daytime? As an amateur in a tournament? Yeah, maybe. Okay. That's about it. But never in a... I don't know if I would like it. It would feel weird. Yeah, it would probably mess with your body, and you're already kind of jet-lagged. I'm a night trainer anyways because I've worked a full-time job, but uh, I guess these guys train multiple times a day, so yeah. they're used to it. I know Gastelum has been there for two weeks. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe, we're done. Uh, it's been a fun one. Yeah, it's um, good. Next week on the show, we'll have, uh, at least we're scheduled to have, both Cain Velasquez and uh, Francis Naganu on the show, so that'll be fun. And, uh, we, the, you know, the... The show goes on. The truck, the truck keeps rolling. And you've got your next glories in March? Yeah, we're March, uh, March 9th in uh, France. All right, so you'll be around for a Strasbourg, while. Strasbourg, France. All right. I thought it was in Germany when you said Strasbourg. I didn't realize it was France. Cool. Yeah, it's on the border. Cedric Dumbe in his home Dumbay, country. Harut Gregorian. Good uh, welterweight scrap. All right, Joe. All right. Have a good week. You too. Well, I mean, the week's almost over, but enjoy the card. Enjoy the I, I'm looking forward to it. Are you, are you in town? Uh, yep, yeah, uh, I'm in town. It's my best friend's birthday on Saturday, and he has an eight thirty reservation. Come watch with Robin and I here. Uh, yeah, you guys watching? No, he has an eight thirty dinner reservation. Yeah, that's that's. So a I'm kind of like staring at my time, and then well, I'll be you like, need uh, to go, go. You, you just need to be ready for the, those last two fights. Yeah, if you want, hey, pop by here. You can watch with Robin and I. Where is this reservation? It's downtown. Uh, yeah, that's problematic. Yeah, downtown. All right. Well, Joe, thanks. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, and until then, right. keep on watching MMA and having fun. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.